Christy, I want to thank you for taking this time and and talking with me. This is number 16 for me. Sweet 16. 16. <laughs> 16 podcasts. I just got to start it. And I want to talk with people that are very influential in our community and some that aren't actually, but you happen to be one that is. And you're high on my list. I want to thank you for saying okay to this. Hey, thank you. I think you're too kind. No, no, no. no, Like I said, I haven't done a podcast before, so this will be interesting. This is new for both of us. (laughs) So you're the head of the early learning program at the American School in Japan. When Rapungi Hills. And you've been here for how long now? This is the start of my fourth year here. Your fourth year here. Tell me a little bit about what, you, what, what did you do before you came here? You're doing the same thing? Or were you a teacher before you came here? Before here? No. Um, this is my second career. Okay. So first, kind of first round through life mm-hmm. was in healthcare mm-hmm. and as an entrepreneur and building a healthcare company in Malaysia. Um, so completely different direction, right. and then took some time off, mm-hmm. and went back to school when my daughters were born. Started okay. thinking more about their education. Mm-hmm. Um, got very vested in their learning and development, um, and then that's when I went back to school and got my teaching credential, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's what took me into education. Well, so you weren't always in education. This I is your first time. No. Now, how old are your daughters? One daughter is fourteen, Swachi. <laughs> Okay. And SB is 16. Okay. Right. And so right. we're here together. My husband Tim is with me. Right. Um, yeah, so this is kind of the second second adventure in life. Okay. Wow. So healthcare, what did you do when you were in that field? Tell us. It's kind of in healthcare, um, straight out of school, I st- out of university, I started working um, in healthcare mm-hmm. and worked in the U.S. for a few years in managed care, mm-hmm. um, product development, research, customer service. Um, client services, and then went overseas to Malaysia and started a healthcare company there. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to be a, I want to say, an 18-month consulting experience. Right. Um, it turned into a 10-year adventure. Uh, the first venture failed. The second venture we started from scratch and mm-hmm. were partners in it and built it up and sold it to Aetna. And okay. then Aetna became ING, and we went through a transition and um, handed wait, it off wait, to wait. them, and then you got went, to take some time off. When you went to Malaysia, did you go over there with a the company, or you went over there to start a company? Went over there to help start a company. Okay, which you were part owners We were in? partners in. Um, okay. That venture failed quickly. Now, you say we. Was your husband involved That's as well? Tim also. Uh-huh. My husband also. Okay. And we have a close partner in Malaysia. Okay. And so when the first one failed, the, the three of us kind of took a little bit of time off, regrouped, and started over again from scratch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the second one, we started off very small and really built it up quite literally from scratch mm-hmm. to becoming the biggest healthcare organization in Malaysia. Okay. And then we sold that, and that gave me a second chance at life to kind of figure out what to do next. Wow. So to, as a healthcare, what were some of the things your company did? In healthcare? Yeah, in healthcare, huh? Oh, wow. Um, so we did client, we did managed care. Okay. So when we went to Malaysia, okay. um, all of the healthcare services there were managed by companies. Mm-hmm. There was a government sector, there were some private sector companies, or healthcare companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, hospitals. And, but most of it was managed by HR. And so what we did is we put together a way for a company to outsource all of those responsibilities. Um, And so we had an insured portion, we had a self-funded portion, um, we had customer service options, we had different products, we built a network of providers. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like a menu option, um, Mm -hmm. similar to what healthcare looks like in the States, but not really. Um, so where we could go to a company and offer a, a right. suite of options, okay. um, choice of funding, choice of provider networks, level of services, um, and then the companies could choose how much to outsource if they wanted to move everything out of their HR division or finance division. Um, and then with the networks, we were able to just make things more efficient and more streamlined. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine 
every, every corporate office, and this was uh, international companies, local companies, okay. uh, big companies, small, each of them had a desk in their finance or HR office, mm -hmm. and that was the person processing claims okay. and the person calling a hospital or a doctor and um, giving a, a letter of, of um, commitment that okay. they would make payment. Mm -hmm. So we just took all of that off their hands and, and made those streamlined the whole process, made mm -hmm. it a lot more efficient, um, built it up to, oh gosh, I think we had 300,000 covered lives. What made you decide? What made you decide? Why didn't you do that in the states? I'm just curious. Instead, um, what made you pick Malaysia? Malaysia had all the right components for it. So you were actually when you wait when you went into school to study this, your plan was always to have your own business. No. Your, no. Hus your husband was already doing doing his own. <laughs> no, this um, Malaysia had the right. Uh, Malaysia had all the right components. Okay. To be able to provide this type of service. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but coming out of school, now I went into school thinking I would be a teacher or a doctor. Oh, you wanted to be a teacher? I did. Okay. My, my whole family, they're all teachers. My mom is a teacher, uh -huh. principal, superintendent. <laughs> um, they had me when they were young. So, so this I, isn't new to you. This is something you... Oh, okay. I, I lived on campuses. It was my, a passion of yours. Yeah, okay. my, parents, my parents had me when they were young, so okay. I went to college with them. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> they went through graduation from university, and I was four years old, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so also went through... I was sitting there next to them. I remember I had the cap and gown. Um, I remember going to classes with them. Um, if the timing was right, they would drop me off at childcare mm -hmm. on the campus, mm -hmm. and I could see them going by. Um, and then when my mom started um, teaching, I was still young. I was in elementary school, and all the way through school, um, when I finished school, I would go to her campus, mm -hmm. and she worked her way up to becoming a principal and then a superintendent. Mm -hmm. um, and so I grew up on campuses during the summers. She taught mm -hmm. summer school at universities, and right. that Did was you, my your playground. Father, your father was a teacher as well? My dad was not. My dad was um, an accountant by okay. training mm -hmm. and my softball coach. Okay. And so <laughs> <laughs> he was... Uh, he was there for me all the holidays and summers right. and was my softball coach and so that's what we did You're the only in all child our spare time. Between the two? Okay. I was the only child for a long time. Okay. And then when they remarried, they divorced when I was young mm -hmm. and each remarried and okay. so now I have a younger sister who is oh, I'm gonna tell you my age now. She's in okay. her she's in her thirties. What? No, they're both in their thirties or forties. Okay. I'm in my fifties, so okay. I'll tell me. Yeah, Remy's forty. My oh. younger brother's thirty eight. Thirty-five, okay. thirty-two, okay. thirty-two. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Wow. Once they get over twenty, so for the like for, so for so for all of your uh, um, for all of your childhood, you were the only child. I was. My so sister you, you, was born yeah. when I was twelve. You were twelve. Okay. My brother was born the week after I graduated from high school. Wow. Yeah. So he was like my, my baby. So you kn you knew you wanted you like education, so you knew that was something you you wouldn't mind going into something you planned to go into actually. I wanted to going in, um, and I realized, or I was told, with student loans, I wouldn't be able to afford being a teacher. I got you. And so then I switched to medicine, mm -hmm. and I had wanted to go into medicine as a doctor. Okay. What, kind of, what kind of doctor? I wanted to be a pediatrician, so pediatrician, working with children. Okay. okay. Um, I blew up one of my first labs at university. S really? And I had never, I had never done anything wrong at school mm -hmm. until that point. And I, I literally blew up a lab. Okay. Um, we were boiling something and I it wasn't paying attention and it blew. It okay. um, and the teaching assistant came and yelled at me. Okay. Um, because I had contaminated not only mine, but everyone else at the table it kind of blew everyone's process, um, and I'd never, I'd never experienced anything bad at school, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Mm -hmm. And so, I was a freshman in college, and I panicked, and I went, I can't do this. And so I switched out that of pre med, okay. and I switched over to, um, I switched over to history and medical sciences history, mm -hmm. um, and went in the direction I thought of business. I said, mm -hmm. well, I'll, st I'll still be involved mm -hmm. in some way trying to help people. 
um, teaching, I was quickly informed, can't afford to be a teacher. Because you wouldn't be able to pay off your student loans. Wouldn't be able to pay off You'd be doing that your whole life, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so when we sat down and did the calculations, um, it just wasn't possible. Were you already married at this time? Oh, no. Okay. No, and mm -hmm. so then I thought, well, I'll go into business, mm -hmm. and managed care was the closest to healthcare mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I could get. So I always thought, oh, okay, I'll go into healthcare um, on the business side, and that's how I got started. And so uh -huh. I did that for four or five years in the States, mm -hmm. um, in New York, and then in California. Well, and well, what state did you grow up in? California. Oh, California, okay. okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, went to Malaysia. So I was 25 when I went to Malaysia. Okay. And you, were you married by that time? No. Tim and I got married very late. Okay. Yeah. Right. So we went but were you with Tim when you went to Malaysia? Uh, we went together as business partners. Okay. And, and then it turned into marriage partners. Yep. <laughs> well, any of your daughters, your daughters, daughters were turned into life partners. Right, right. Your daughters were born in Malaysia, right? My oldest daughter was born in Malaysia. Okay. And my younger daughter was born in San Francisco. In San Francisco, okay. Yeah. So you went to Malaysia, then you came back. So how'd you get into education? I mean... Officially. This, this time around, um, when we sold the company, we were able to take time off, mm -hmm. and it's one of those, I think, one of those rare gifts in life where you can just start over. Right. What year? What year? If you don't remember, do what year did you, you want. What year did you sell it? What year was it? Did you um, sell it? And it was in the two thousand. Two thousand and three or four. Okay. The girls had not been born yet. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it was 2003, 2004. Right, right. The, girls, the girls weren't born yet. Um, right. And so we were able to take time off. We traveled. We went all over the world. Um, we had SB in 2004. So it was probably 2002, 2003 okay. that we that's sold your first That's your first daughter. Yeah. So SB yeah. was born in 2004 mm -hmm. in Malaysia. Um, and that's much as I love Malaysia, we really wanted to get back to the grandparents. Okay. And so as soon as she could get a passport and fly, we flew back to San Francisco and set up set up home in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, she was born in 2004. Uh, Sochi was born in 2006. Okay. And that's when I went back into teaching. Right. And so it started with volunteering at their preschool. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was my, the start of my real focus on early years. Mm -hmm. um, went back, could do anything I wanted, so I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I started volunteering and student teaching at the school close to our house. Mm -hmm. um, got my credential, went into teaching in elementary, mm -hmm. San Francisco mm -hmm. Unified, taught in the public schools, figured, mm -hmm. okay, here's my chance to, to give back. Okay. Um, How long did you teach there? How long were you there? Oh gosh, about six or seven years. Six or seven years, okay. And then... Um, were these same, the same age kids, preschool? It was elementary kids. Elementary kids, mm -hmm. okay. And then from... So K through six, okay. Yeah. And then the kindergarten positions I discovered are really hard to come by. Because people love them people so much. love them so Don't much. I, I imagine yeah. Because it's a blank slate. Yeah. So a I student slate. taught and volunteered in kindergarten and okay. then went into elementary. Mm -hmm. um, when I was working in the school, you know, there's all sorts of data that comes with, with teaching. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there were these different initiatives and different things happening in the district. Mm -hmm. And I, I would, we would get this training or get this information and I started playing with numbers and doing things in a lot of different ways mm -hmm. that are not typical to education. And so my principal at the time starts, started watching what I was doing right. and asking me to join her on different committees and sending me as the school representative for district efforts where they needed people from the school. Um, and that's how I moved, started to move into administration. administration okay. So I was, I was quite happy in the classroom, right. um, but I kept doing I kept doing more or asking yeah, asking yeah. different questions. Right. Um, and so she she said she nominated me for um, a program at UC Berkeley to get my administrative credential. Okay. And I was selected. And so I went back to school, got my admin credential. Um, and then 
at about the same time, we started thinking about going back overseas. You're getting the itch. We're getting the itch. Yeah, Expat life is something else, isn't it? We had been home for, yeah. for a while. It's the girls hard. were older. They were already yeah. now in early elementary school, and we started yeah. getting the itch. And so you, we were getting the youth on the same way? Yeah. Tell, it's me, tell me a little bit about, I mean, I'd hate to take you off into another tangent, because uh, I'm curious as an expat. What was it about staying in the States, colloquial, doesn't matter where you're at, versus being, I mean, what, what was your itch about? Being overseas is fun. <laughs> and it comes down to it. Every okay. everything you do is fun and interesting because it's it's different. And you're always you're you're always challenged and you're always learning. Mm -hmm. um, it can be the same thing that drives someone crazy being overseas, right? The yeah, frustrations or the yeah. right, 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 right. But the lack of a, a, a base or something. Yeah, Some but that. for me, I I love the challenge, Isn't and it something? keeps it just keeps life interesting. And you always feel like that. You you never know. Each day is exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah each day is exciting. And, and you don't get the sense of permanency, like you know what's going to take. Pl and you're a number person, so I think that would be, it could be boring to you if you if you can tell what's going to happen. Yeah. Certainly, you know, but if you don't know, but yet you can kind of know. You know it's going to be better than last time, but you don't know how much. Right. And it may not be, but you can make it, you know, I don't know. I like that. <laughs> I look at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every day is, it's interesting. Uh -huh. Whether it's visual or your experience or your interactions, um, when you're overseas, there's something about being the other, the outsider within a culture that allows you to experience it um, in a different way. Right. And you can get in as deep or not as deep if you want, yeah. as you want. Um, but even some of the things that would be mundane in a typical life, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's always interesting. Mm. So those mundane experiences are an adventure. So what, what, I mean, so how do you take, how long have you been in Japan now? It's oh, been Japan, this is the start of our fourth year. Your fourth year. How has it been? What are some of the things that you think about being here in your administrative position and outside of it? That Just how do you see it? I'm not going to try to preface it with um, my feelings. Japan fascinates me with the culture and the, I guess it's the culture of mm -hmm. the Japanese mm -hmm. and how thoughtful there's a there's a depth to how considerate and thoughtful everyone is and it's it's not i mean in america or in mexican culture definitely within family or when you're when there's a relationship mm -hmm. um there's a level of thoughtfulness mm -hmm. here it it crosses all levels and it's 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 just fascinating to me mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's it yeah. Trying to understand it, mm -hmm. trying to understand the depths of the of that thoughtfulness mm -hmm. and that consideration, I could spend a lifetime studying. Well, so you have a unique position because being the administrator of ASIG, how what's the percentage of Japanese families compared to foreign families, including American, in this school? Um, what would you say? It's hard to say. Is it more than fifty percent? No, well, we have so many multicultural families. Okay, well, well let's okay, let's do so that. So you can't do it. Multicultural? Would you say it's more than fifty percent of multicultural? Um, where there's one at least one Japanese. Parent? No, I think a, an easy what I do for our presentations. Let's mm -hmm. say a, an okay. easy split is there's ten percent that are that are completely in the other category. Gotcha. Okay. Well, no one's, uh, no one's Asian, basically. Not American, not right. Japanese, right, right. not mixed. Okay. Um, and then the other, it's about 30, 30, 30. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. but it's, a, it's an interesting, um, here it's an interesting community because our 30%, if we said, you know, a little less than 30% are American. Right. Some, Japan is now home. They've been here a long time. That's right. They don't plan on leaving. I'm one of those. Our 30, exactly. Our 30% yeah. that are Japanese mm 
um, a lot have spent more time overseas than they have, than they have in Japan. That's right. um, and then we have our families that are bilingual, bicultural, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who are of both worlds and very fluid, back and mm -hmm. forth. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a really dynamic, mm -hmm. dynamic community. Mm -hmm. um, and don't you, also they, they tend to be somewhat affluent, or they couldn't go to the school, basically, be, I mean, this. <laughs> in this society because public schools would be a lot uh, it wouldn't be as expensive let's put it that way if you went to a public school here versus no. going to a private school and this is a private school and same with the Japanese private school which are a little not quite as expensive as this but still and it, but they're harder to, I wouldn't even say they're harder to get into they might be I think the process I think is the, it, is, it is a lot harder I think it's a lot harder but then again you have to speak English, or you've uh, most international schools prefer that you speak English if it's an Ameri you know, an English-speaking school. Depends on the age. Oh, really? I mean, so at this, at your age, is some of the kids you take in? Well, I know of because I've had them in yeah. my classes. Yeah. I mean, if you, in terms of accessing the school, mm -hmm. it's got to be the right fit. So I think school. What do you look for? I think uh, here we want creativity. I want okay. imagination. Right. I want self-direction. How can you tell if the kids are just three? What do you? What do you? You have tests that. What, what are some of these secret <laughs> tests that you give them? I let them play. Right? You let them play. Yeah. You see how? You see how they do water. it. Hmm? Huh? Yeah. I mean, if they're playing, they are. So when you when you watch children play, you learn so much about who they are. If you know how to observe them. Yeah. Right. And so. So do you, you let them, you just, you just watch them play, what do you mean, in, you know, out in the yard, <laughs> or in here? You just give them some things and say, let me see, go ahead, go forward, or, it's a secret, this is a secret, you're smiling as if this might be your, you don't want, okay, you don't have to expose it, I'm just <laughs> No, 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 okay, I'm, I'm right. cracking up, because I'm thinking, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm going to go into our open house presentation, <laughs> I can tell you, okay. I'm just, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, through play. Cause, okay, cause so I here's an example. Okay, okay. You have a space. Right. And you've got multiple interesting things. Okay. Right? You've got a table over here with dramatic play. You've got some, I don't know, clay or sensory materials here. You've got blocks or trains or people or a house. Mm -hmm. um, and you invite the children in. And then you watch. So you never do it just with one child, do you? For our, for our admissions oh. screenings? You have no, to. No, we try to do it with multiple children. Okay. Because um, here, in this type of environment, and this goes to what I think we believe is essential for children to feel fulfilled as they move into adulthood, mm -hmm. is there's a self-directed component to being a child and learning. And that starts with play. Okay. Um, and then there's a collaborative social component to learning. Mm -hmm. And you see both of those coming together when the children are playing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we do a screening, we invite the children in right. and we let them choose. Mm -hmm. Now, that process is the first step because some children are very comfortable choosing. Mm -hmm. Some are not. That's true. Um, so that's the first step. And then as they start to play, there's different levels of play, and a lot of it's developmental. Mm -hmm. But within that, what we start to observe is what is the child doing? Mm -hmm. where, is their, where is their mindset? Mm -hmm. What are they thinking about? Mm -hmm. um, and we'll just start talking and playing with them. What about the parents? Do you also with them knowing or not knowing, interview them? Uh, the parents we talk to. Right. So part of it is the open house presentations. Um, I, I do my best at open house presentations to sell against us. Sell against us, mm -hmm. how do you okay, um, explain that? Because I really want, the most important thing for a child is to have that alignment um, of family values and school values. Mm -hmm. So if they have that, uh, if, if that alignment is there, that child is going to be successful, okay. regardless of where that child is. Um, for our school, we really value 
creativity, imagination, self-direction, mindset, grit, resilience, all of those skills that will lead to future success and and fulfillment okay. in life. Um, and so with parents, I really try to show what learning looks like here, mm -hmm. um, how we bring that out in the kids, mm -hmm. and what it looks like to the parent at home, mm -hmm. but also what it doesn't look like. Okay. So I talk a lot about play, um, and for our approach, it's, uh, it's playful inquiry, um, it's productive play. But the children have lots and lots of time to explore, use their imaginations, work together, mm -hmm. get into arguments with each other. Mm -hmm. um, the teachers are engaged in watching. Mm -hmm. And so as conversations start to happen, the teachers are then prompting with more questions mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. taking note and presenting additional information, whether whether that information is tactile or sensory or a story, to build the conversation up into projects. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's where our projects start to develop and evolve. But right. every classroom looks different. Right. And so for a for a and parent, is that, is that is that the is it because of the kids or because of the teacher? Well, Who, who's deciding that? How the the children are deciding. Okay, so the the teachers are the guides. The teachers act as guides and as fosters of what the kids really want to do. Is it yeah. what they're showing them they want to do? Yeah. Okay. So the teachers are the the, the teachers are the guides. They're okay. they're certainly in charge in the classroom oh, of of environment and flow, mm -hmm. but they take their lead from the kids. Okay. And it's important for parents to one have the aspiration of of fulfillment and happiness for their child. Okay. Um, the second is that the parents are comfortable releasing that control to the child. Mm. Because what would happen here, like right now we have um, different projects going on in every classroom, right? Okay. One classroom is building a life-size spaceship. Okay. Um, another classroom has converted their entire their entire uh, classroom into a jungle, complete okay. with trees, waterfalls, and whatnot. Um, another class built an ice cream machine. Okay. Um, it it can I range from, from whatever, yeah. it, it to anything, Just but in, but in all of those activities or all of those projects, um, you have the kids intensely interested in what they're doing. Right. And with that intense interest, the teacher can then tack on some of the things that we value academically. Okay, such as? Such as number sense. So okay. whether you're counting ice cream cones or gotcha. planets and stars um, or how many leaves are going on a tree, you're working with numbers. Gotcha. Um, whether you're comparing and contrasting Again, the size of ice cream cones, spaceships, or jungles, um, you're able to use all sorts of comparative language, mm -hmm. you're able to measure, you're able to do a lot with, with math and mm -hmm. comparative language, um, and the same with reading and writing. Mm -hmm. And so the, the targets are there, but how we get to the targets, it's all driven by the kids. Mm -hmm. And it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. It's more recently, I think it's been kind of the the secret of early years, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and more recently, it's really come to the forefront mm -hmm. um, as we learn more about neuroscience and learning and how how children learn, how children learn. Um, it's there's more and more scientific support and mm -hmm. research support for this type of learning. Mm -hmm. um, the other part that I share with our families is it starts in early years. Mm -hmm. They're playing. Kids are geared to play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and in that play is when they have that sense of deep interest, a desire to learn and create. Um, and they, they lose themselves. They lose a sense of time, a sense of everything around them. We flip over to adulthood mm -hmm. and that's that state of flow. That that's right. That's what we call a state of flow. That is <coughs> yeah, is now coming mm -hmm. out as how do how, why are people successful? Right. Why are successful right. people Success. as successful as they are? And it's because they they they've reached that perfect balance of I love what I'm doing. Right. right. Um, 
I am contributing, so mm -hmm. I feel a valued member of society. Mm -hmm. um, I'm successful, so I can maintain my life. Mm -hmm. That's what we target in adulthood. It's what we provide in early years. Gotcha. And that through line mm -hmm. um, we're recognizing is, is the way forward. Mm. Um, so that was, yeah, so that's, so that's when I say I, we try to sell against it, there's still, um, there are, against it. well, there's, there are people who are uncomfortable with it. Oh, oh I see what you're with saying. With that okay. approach. You, okay, okay. So you. Going back to that first question, there, there are people who are uncomfortable with. That approach, right. That I approach. And that. so I, I want to make clear, like, we don't have, we don't have units by right, month. Right, um, And you know, you're not forced, okay, right. We it's don't have worksheets. Okay. It's um, more flow. You, you're trying is, to put people into the flow. It's Get a the very fluid that. state. Yeah, so with children, we honor where they are. That's interesting. And we use their ideas and their interests to drive their learning. Okay. I, w I would ask this question. Hmm. I had my kids through several schools. I had them at the American school. I had them at British school. I had them in Japanese school. Then I put them in a um, European type school, okay, at the end, towards the end. And I saw the different ways they were being taught. And having been at the American school as a teacher, out at the Chofu campus, and then working at Sacred Heart, I've, I've got to experience all of it. I mean, a, a lot of it. I shouldn't say all of it. And I know how extensive you, you train your staff by having trainers come in and different speakers and everything to keep them up to date as to what the new practices are. What do you do when you get in a situation where discipline is necessary? Because the flow could be nice. Time out, I don't know, I've heard some saying that it works for some Some Time out doesn't work for all kids, mm -mm. right? So. And I know I had I had four sons and I never was able to say time out. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> so, so which my sons are all men now. How how does how is discipline handled? Because that is something. Let me let me put it this way. I used to say that you can't try to talk with a child if they're really young and they're trying to do this going to do something that could possibly harm them. You don't try to discuss it then. Action must be taken. Mm -hmm. Now, I do not believe in hitting children. That's not my belief. I used to pinch my sons. I don't mind saying that. <clears throat> because I'd explain why I was going to pinch them, and I don't believe you can abuse a pinch. It's very <laughs> difficult to keep, you know what I mean? And, and it's, hard, it's something hard to do. You don't come home, and you're frustrated, and you say, okay, I'm going to give everybody a pinch. <laughs> I think it's very difficult. So I learned to do that, and that came. Wouldn't they run? No, they never ran from me, because I would tell them, you tell them, I'm going to pinch you, and they wouldn't run? No. They, they, where are they going to oh. go? They're small kids. Where are they going to go? And you can only pinch up to a certain age <laughs> before, before they start saying, Dad, you're getting more out of this than I am. But they wouldn't run. No, they never ran because from who? From what? And I wouldn't give them. It wasn't that type of thing. You have to chase for them to run because mm -hmm. you can say, okay, fine, and just wait. But I never chased my kids. I never had to. And I see parents that do. And when they do you're encouraging. I think they're encouraging their kids to run. <sighs> the psychology behind it. If you don't run, what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. And I, anyway, not too much on me, but I, I, where does the discipline come in? Because if your child's getting ready to run across a red light, hmm. and there we go, you're not going to try to discuss that. No. And you're not going to gently pull them back. No. Especially if, it, if you see them from the corner of your eye and you know it's a split second thing. Yep. Or, they're going to do, like they're in the chemistry lab, they're just little kids, and they're going to blow up the place. No, <laughs> they're going to mix the wrong stuff together. What do you do when it comes to discipline? How do you talk to the parents on that? Because it's not something we, it's something that has to happen. That's part of life. Yeah. They're going to go stick their hand in that little doggy's mouth, and you know it's a vicious dog, or could possibly maim them for life. So how do we handle that? Yeah. Just curious. The, I mean, there's, as a parent and as an educator. Okay. Which you are so both. And I think that's both. a problem not to. My daughters laugh because I've spanked them each once. Okay. And I cried. Okay. But the reason I spanked them was they were about to run into the street in San gotcha. Francisco. And, and you so, just, you just snow, yeah. So, like, I mean, we had talked about it. They knew. Um, and it was kind of at that point in their in their toddlerhood when they're becoming more right. independent and running right. ahead and 
when they did that? They went straight ahead right into the street. We, you we grabbed them, them and a one whack gotcha. on the diaper. I don't think they even felt it, but it was the shock to both of us. Right, right. Um, they were shocked and I cried. Right. Um, and that was the one time I spanked them. But do you think they got the message? They did. And they remember it. They never did it again. They never did it again. Isn't that um, interesting? Because it was the shock. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, but that was one of those life, life-threatening So would you do to do Okay. But so, so just here, okay. um, we'll break it down. If okay. it's, if it's we, we have what we call our big voice. So the big voice is when we're you loud, stern, and quick. Right. Um, if there's something that's going to hurt someone or hurt themselves, mm -hmm. um, then we use our big voices. Mm -hmm. And so it's an immediate no stop. Um, we don't use it very often. Mm -hmm. um, I think you know, if someone's throwing something heavy, um, we've had a couple of cases where kids have thrown rocks at cars or something pretty serious. It really doesn't happen often. Mm -hmm. um, the shock of it because it doesn't happen often mm -hmm. when they hear our voices get loud right. um everyone stops do you, do you think it needs to happen while they're doing it or do you think we can well, later you, to tell you, them it? no if you need to stop if you need to stop an action mid action right the child should, who's about to throw or that's best. that you have to you stop. should do it then you so they know to. what it's about well no but you have to you have to stop the action that's what i mean that's what yeah, I'm talking about. but yeah. then you need to back up um right. and look at what is the child either wanting to communicate, discover, or what is the child responding mm -hmm. to? Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes with behaviors, as adults, it's really easy to label behaviors as mm -hmm. a bad choice. Because a you assume they know. Yeah, they you aren't. assume they know. They know, um, they have enough experience, right? But, but for a child... For a child, sometimes... They're learning, they don't know. Well, they don't know, and so... A lot of times behaviors are due to communication. So they don't have the language to either label how they're feeling mm -hmm. or they don't have the language yet to express what they want. Right. And so that's when you have to back up and you, you talk with them mm -hmm. and you try I to understand that. what's happening. And then separate from that behavior, um, we spend a lot of time in talking about feelings and modeling how we can um, manage our own feelings, how we can understand others' feelings, and being able to put a label on a feeling is really powerful for a child, mm -hmm. especially when they're three or four, because they're just starting to discover mm -hmm. all of these different emotions, mm -hmm. and they're more independent, and so you have to give them the skills to manage that independence. Um, so like just today, one of the little boys was, um, was so upset and he had been kind of lashing out at other at friends hitting this one or kicking or mm -hmm. um and so when he came in we were i was talking with him um he was angry and so what we did is we focused on yes i'm angry and since i'm angry what are some different ways that i can express and manage when i'm angry Mm -hmm. It's okay to have feelings. How do I act when I have those feelings? Um, and so we talked about different phrases that he could use. Mm -hmm. We talked about ways to um, calm himself. Mm -hmm. uh, so we do, we do a lot of um, self-regulation strategies. Mm -hmm. And so how to, how to count, how to breathe. Mm -hmm. um, and so with a, when a child is having that type of, of outburst, y you need to kind of figure out why. Okay. It's not that the child needs to be punished or is bad. Um, when there are routines that need to be followed, we right. do a lot of scaffolding. A lot of what we call scaffolding okay, to build independence. Right. Um, but a lot of that, wouldn't you say a lot of that has to be done with the parent as well? Because they could spend time tearing down what you're building up. You know, I mean, so if, they yeah. if they don't know, so how do you, do you bring them in and say, look, this is something we're working on since they've already bought into the school? Yeah, what we do with parents is we talk with them, um, just we share strategies. Yeah. And something that's really, uh, I find it 
fascinating. And it's really a, a challenge in an international school is everyone comes with different, different life right. experiences. That's right, that's right. And different parenting experiences and different <laughs> values. You mean very little parenting. <laughs> I didn't say that. That wasn't no. the end of this math. And, no. um, you know, and, and different values. And so what we, yeah. what we talk about <laughs> is how to... <laughs> How to um, wow. how to equip their child with skills and strategies mm -hmm. to to manage life, right. um, whether that's as a four-year-old on the playground, as a five-year-old in class not wanting to transition. Right. Um, but the skills that they build now stay with them all through life because it mm -hmm. sets that it sets that foundation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, if they learn. If they learn how to be aware, how to empathize, mm -hmm. how to self-regulate, um, how to identify how they're feeling, find strategies to work through those feelings, mm -hmm. know when to ask for help, mm -hmm. all of those are strategies that it starts now, but it really builds their life skills. So with parents, that's how we explain it. Mm -hmm. um, and when we have either different backgrounds or different values or different experiences, um, I, I try to frame it in the context of school and life. Mm -hmm. And so these are situations that are common. This is, a, this is a behavior, a response that is usually expected. Mm -hmm. Here's how we can work toward um, building that resilience or building mm -hmm. that skill set. Um, yeah. What are some of the moments that you've had here that are just really, that you remember with joy, that you, since you've been at the school, what are some of the times you've had kids or parents or the both? Because we all have those times when you said, yeah. Oh God, every day. Uh, okay, well that's good too, <laughs> that's good too. So you must get drained real quick. But, but you know, some moments that just kind of stick out. You don't have to say the names of the people or whoever, but some things that have happened to you that you thought, well that was really interesting, it worked out. And you could have been surprised by it too, because you never know how it's gonna turn out. Or parents that have come to you with tears in their eyes because something wonderful happened. That, I, I honestly every day. It happens often. Yeah, I mean this is yeah. part of it is taking a really strengths-based approach. And so a, a strengths-based approach. Okay. So every child has every child has strengths. They all have talents and skills that okay, are going okay, to okay. move them forward. Right. Um, and being able to children develop mm -hmm. and they all develop in different ways right That's true. but um, no I think every day I yeah. was okay so today with 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 one boy. one little boy okay. um, in previous years he would have just had a tantrum and cried gotcha. Gotcha. Um, over time we've helped him to build his self-regulation mm -hmm. his emotional awareness his self-awareness and then his awareness of others. Mm -hmm. So today we had a very calm conversation. This is a four-year-old, four-and-a-half-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, we had a very calm conversation about his day, what was making, how he was feeling. Mm -hmm. He was able to label how he was feeling, why mm -hmm. he was feeling that way, um, what he did, um, you know, when when he when he got upset. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about different ways, some other ideas okay. and strategies. And and those were the words I used with them too. Mm -hmm. I said, "Well, there's a couple of strategies. Will you will you, you practice them? You know, will you practice them with me?" And we practiced, and he liked one of them. And so we said, "Okay, you know, that's why don't we try that one that's for a while?" Um, to be able to have that conversation with a four and a half year old who, 18 months ago, would have just been all over in his back. Well, yeah, all would have place. been having a meltdown as right. a three year old. Um, right. That was a big step. Right. Another, you asked about children who don't speak English. So we, children, and this is one of my, I think coming from California and c having, coming from California and having started school speaking only Spanish okay. and then switching you're to so English. You're still, you're talking about yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, the idea that children are learning language. They're not learning English. They're not learning Japanese. They are learning, learning language. language. Right. Um, they don't know the combination yet. Right? Yeah, and at this age, <coughs> all children, if they're bilingual, they're mm. dual language learners, mm -hmm. and so they're pulling labels right. for everything, mm. whether it's an object or a feeling, and they're pulling it from whatever language 
is going to come first for them. That's right. Um, and so they'll mix languages, the dual language learners. Mm -hmm. Sometimes children come in speaking only Japanese yeah. or only other languages. We've had children who couldn't speaking speak English or Japanese. Right, right couldn't speak English or Japanese. Um, and in their first six months, they're fairly quiet. Because they're processing, right. They're processing, they're learning. Um, their receptive language is developing, but expressive language isn't there yet. And it's something that some people get frustrated with. Mm -hmm. You mean some kids get frustrated with you? Think no, I'm, everyone. I mean, sometimes it's sometimes it's the children, sometimes it's the parents. Teacher. Okay, okay. Um, where they you know they want we'll teach them English, and <laughs> we we say we you know we we're not an English school. Right. We are building their experiences and their conceptual awareness, and the labels will come. So today we had today now yesterday I was sitting in with a class, and they were having a big class meeting. This is, so this is a kindergarten class. And so as I talk about scaffolding behaviors, mm -hmm. this was the whole group of yeah, kids yeah. Um, <coughs> sitting in a big circle because we're trying to stay as socially distanced as mm -hmm. we can. Mm -hmm. And they were having a really deep conversation about coronavirus. Okay. Because what we grade talked is, what grade is this? Kindergarten. Kindergarten, okay. Um, so yesterday was our first day back from the holidays. Right. And so we were talking with them about the importance of safety measures. So okay. masks, the washing hands, hands, the hands distance. Yeah. And we had them in a big circle. Um, one of the children, and, and they, so they were discussing this, and they were also continuing to build on their jungle project ideas. Okay. Um, and drawing on both of those, one of the children started to make this a connection between the importance of trees and the jungle and clean air and would it be possible for us to have more trees that would then clean the air and therefore get rid of the coronavirus <laughs> because from what you know what they're picking up and learning and talking about with parents and they overhear everything and then our conversations with them too, they're asking like, why are the windows open? It's cold. Um, you know, they put together that, well, coronavirus air is in the air and it's bad. We have that concept. We've got trees that create fresh air. How can we start to put together a plan to make our classroom safer by bringing in more plants, more trees? And then how do we take that idea and spread it to the rest of the building, to the rest of campus, to the rest of Tokyo. Um, this was a child who, when he came in his first year, did not speak any English. At all. Yeah. At all. And not only was he expressing himself in English and some pretty complex thoughts and ideas, um, but the confidence. Right, to, to do so. The confidence yes. to take the risk, to piece together these kind of disparate ideas that he had from, you know, from his experiences. He's pulling from here, he's pulling from here. He's taking these ideas, putting them together, constructing them, sharing them in English in front of his whole class oh. in an unstructured environment. Nobody yeah. said we have to listen to him. That's right. That's but it was, right, the yeah. it was the community <laughs> norm right, right, that so, if yeah. we're going to be in our, in our class meeting, right. we're going to talk and listen to each other and build on our ideas. And so that was, I would say yes, that was yesterday. That's, that was a good moment, yeah. And as I was watching that and looking at the children in the classroom and how many of them had started with us in nursery, um, how many had spoken very little English or were more comfortable in another language, um, to see them now in that group setting, having that that depth of conversation at that young age yes. at the age of five mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i mean if you if you put on you know your teacher hat and you look at all the different standards it was covering oh, it was incredible yeah, yeah. but then you you flip it to projecting who is this child going to be as, a, as right. an adult how is he going to contribute to the and society right? the rest of the class how is that group going to contribute to society in 15, 20 years, right? They have the confidence, they've got these amazing ideas. Um, empathy, how do we help the world? They're uh, so enthusiastic about their ideas. And so we said, yeah, okay, let's, what are we gonna do? How, you know, how can this, how can this done, happen? Yeah. 
Um, that was a pretty amazing moment. So that was yesterday. That was just yesterday. So, so yeah. you're, you're right. Literally it's every day something happens. It's every day. It's That's neat. And then I have my window here where I can watch the kids. That's true when they're playing <laughs> outside because the yard's right outside. How do you pick your teachers? Um, do you do you do the picking yourself? Do you get to pick your own I teachers? I do, do when to? we start when we when we have turnover. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, do you do? The, do you have to go out? Oh, well, now you can't. Not with this corona. It's hard to do, isn't it? Well, we have. I mean, we do recruitment internationally. Mm -hmm. So, like that's how when I wanted to go back overseas, when we decided we were going to go back overseas, that's that's how I got started. Okay. Was through international recruitment companies, right. and so that's where we go. That's how we start to source for our teachers. Mm -hmm. um, we have very low turnover. I would think so. And I think, yeah. I hope, uh, I hope a lot of that has to do with how, uh, just how wonderful this environment is for, not only for the kids, but also for the teachers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of trust and flexibility mm -hmm. in the classroom so that they can create and shape these projects together with the kids. And it's really, like as a teacher, that's what you love to do. Mm -hmm. How do you inspire your kids to learn? Um, but in terms of finding teachers, uh, what I look for first is an absolute love of children. Okay. Um, How can you tell? If you're talking to someone, you're interviewing someone right now, yeah. what, what would they be saying that would make you think, okay, this person loves kids? Just a lot of open-ended questions. Okay. Tell me about, describe a... Gotcha. Um, <laughs> and if you leave it open-ended, it lets a person start to highlight what they value. Um, and so it starts with a lot of, op op of open-ended questions. Um, and then I'll start to m look a little more deeply into experiences. Mm -hmm. So where have they been? Um, because some schools are more academic, some schools are more child-directed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we do really intense reference checks. That's good. And well, you almost have to. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, no, we've been, we've got well, You have teachers. great teachers here. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, we've been really fortunate. And they're friendly. You know, they're really, really good. And they're very personable. Because you can tell, but that all starts from the, the, the top administrator on down. I found that it doesn't matter what school it is, what kind of organization. It really is the top down because mm -hmm. you set the tone, and if you're not friendly, your teachers they'll they'll start to mimic you because they think that that's what you like. And if you're really friendly and open and and welcoming, they're the same. And your teachers are all welcoming. They're open. They say hello, and I don't even know who they are. You <laughs> know, they're just really good people. They're really really good. You yeah. do a great job. It, no, this is a happy school. place. I mean, I, I well, you make it that way. I get it. I probably err on the side of being a little too corny sometimes but I really no. equate this place to it's no. it's a family mm -hmm. and I think with our teaching team yeah, everyone has lives outside of school right, right. Um, and then we have our lives in school right. and so one of the things I stress for our team is that balance mm -hmm. and also let us know how we can help you mm -hmm. so when something if something is happening mm -hmm. outside mm -hmm. let us know yeah. let us help support you and mm. when things are good, we all celebrate. Um, so it's a very, I hope, a very balanced workplace for mm. people. Mm. And it's important because the relationship of the adult with the child is the most critical piece to all of this. Mm. Um, how a child feels every day right. comes from their interaction with the adult. Mm -hmm. um, so like a little boy who's angry. One approach would have been to talk about, well, how did that, how did those behaviors make other people feel, right? Okay. But then the little boy feels bad. Okay. And that's gotcha. how he leaves that situation. Right. Another approach is to have the patience to talk with the child about how they're feeling and find other ways to express that emotion. Okay. And so the strategies, and he picked a strategy, that leaves the child feeling positive and empowered to grow but curious, that only comes from if you're in a position of love and patience with children right. can and you share that I'm just, I'm just curious having it's the fact that i still deal with kids all the time and i love doing it would you share that with me the strategies you offered to him to express himself 
What, what, were, what were they? I mean, he was angry and he was like this, and you didn't make, you didn't talk about, as you just said, how it affects everyone else. You want to know how he'd handle expressing that. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, walking away was okay. one. Okay. If there's a situation that's bothering him, um, physical. So physicality. You know, little kids, they really want to just lash out at something, mm -hmm. right? And so that's the one we dug into a little more. And I said, well, how do you? What do you want to do? And he goes, I want to hit. I said, okay. That's you know because you get the so with a child sensory is so important, so we think of hitting as bad. If okay. you're hitting someone, you want to you want to hurt them. Right. But for a child having that sensory feedback, it's important. Not the hitting part, but the sensory feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and so we talked about the one that he chose was if he's going to want to hit, his hands are already going into a fist. Okay. So how do you tighten your fists? and hold your arms down as hard as you can. And so then with him, I said, okay, so let's, I said, if my hands are like this, okay, you count with me. And so I just started bringing up my fingers. Right. We got to 10, no okay. problem. And so I said, so we'll count to 10. And then you've got all of that in there. Mm -hmm. I said, that's your anger. So when you're angry, you hold on, you, you hold it in your hands right. and then let it go. When you let your hand go, you have that natural sensation, right? right? So he felt it. I said, and then you take a deep breath and blow. And you can blow it away. And it might take one or two uh. times. So what you have is you've give, you given him, you've given the child a, an action to take right, right, okay. that is still physical, but it's not lashing out at anyone. Okay. Um, there's that natural release of tension. Okay. And then um, we do, when the children are upset, um, another thing that we work with them on is something simple with breathing techniques. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when they're lying down, we have them breathe with a little animal on their chest so they okay, can see it going right. up and down. Okay. Slow breathing. Um, we have different types of breaths, like elevator breath, and we count up, one, two, three, four, going up and then coming down. Um, and another one is smell the flower and blow out the candle. And so taking a deep breath in through your nose, and that's the flower, and then mm -hmm. blow out the candle. And so, <laughs> some of, so when I talk about scaffolding, some of those have happened right. in the background, and right. so they understand already, they've practiced how to breathe in and out mm -hmm. in, different, in different ways. Um, yeah, so that was... That's wonderful. So I like that. That's, it, it's... I like that. But it only comes from... It's important that the adults in their lives have that patience. Right. And so that's why I said, like, for example, you have to speak with the parents. They have to know what's going on. For parents, and this is where it's, you, know, you have to respect where every family is. And so, is so if you from. say, I'm a parent and I pinch my kids, and you know it's all. Yeah, if you pinch your kids, I kind of go. Um, because you said essentially they, they are in a tactile stuff. So no, my son, <laughs> I, I, I really did believe. And that I is asked, tactile. You know, <laughs> the, the thing is that. No, I talked to I talk, I would always talk to them and I would always ask them afterwards, especially when they calm down afterwards. Mm. Do you think that was fair? Do you did you understand why I did what I did? They say yes, because I I was I still am under the strong belief people only do things for one or two reasons, to either avoid pain, or to get pleasure. <laughs> right. So when they when they <laughs> when they were doing things that I didn't feel like giving them pleasure, I'd give them the pain, that and I'd let them know it's a two way side two way side because. I never felt good about pinching them, but I, I truly believed that it was something that would help to guide them. And it got so that when they did get older that I couldn't, I didn't feel it was necessary any longer. Let's see, they're out on the football, f I mean, soccer field playing around. I would go like this. Now, no one knew what I was doing, but they did. And when they were still young, they tighten up and get real okay, and they pay attention to what they were supposed <laughs> to be paying attention to. And everyone else didn't know what I was doing. It was, you know, is that your peace sign? Well, uh, maybe yeah, it's kind a, of. you know. <laughs> and then, then, then they, when they got a little bit older, I'd go like this, and they'd start laughing. Because they knew it was just a joke. You know, but just to remind them, that's what I used yeah. to do. And we started to make it a playful thing. Yeah. yeah. So did you get pinched when you were little? No, no, my father never touched me. But he didn't need to, because I had an older brother, and I saw him touch him. I was, I was a wimp. My father, <laughs> he put a little bass in his throat, I was done. <laughs> I'd, I'd give him all the tears he needed. He didn't have to touch me. My, no. my dad used to pretend to spank me. 
Well, how do you pretend to spank someone? So I was. He'd hit the wall or something, or hit yeah. some. Oh, I was. I was a brat. Okay. And I would. <laughs> I would terrorize my poor aunts, uh-huh. his younger sisters, and they would, you know, scream, "Do something!" Ah! Um, oh, I see. So he's doing it for their pleasure. Yeah. So I would, and I, I, rightly so. I had been doing things intentionally to annoy them. Um, you know, like take their eyeliner and draw with it or hide their things or just run by and knock things over. Um, yeah, he would, so he would call me in a stern voice, Christy, and I would go in and he'd go, come here. And so then he would take me into the bathroom or the bedroom, something with a door, and he would close the door and he would wink at me. Okay. And then he would talk to me in a very stern voice mm-hmm. and then he would silently go, and he would hit his hand. And that was my cue to scream. Yeah. And so uh, there would be a couple of these. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. There would be a couple of these <laughs> fake, like, ah! Ah! And then he'd look at me and go, oh, cry. <laughs> I would cry. And as I'm pretending to cry, that's when he would whisper to me. He goes, look, I know you're having fun, but it's really bothering them. So, okay, so, so slack off a little bit. Yeah, slack off. Let's, you know, what can we do instead? What do you want to do? <laughs> That's beautiful. And he always asked me well, what... See, if I had little girls, I probably would do the same thing. I don't know if I would have pinched my little girl. I had boys. <laughs> but I always, know it works for boys. He always asked me, what, what is it that you want? Mm-hmm. And usually I was either bored or yeah, upset yeah. about something. And I think that kind of taught me the, that there was something more to the behaviors when I was little. Right. Um, but it's also that importance of that relationship. And so that's why with our, and going back to our teachers, if, if our teachers are happy and they have really strong relationships with the kids, that is the greatest gift that I you can give. So. You're right, you you're, so give true. The child. you're so true. Um, with parents, it's, it's important to respect where they're all coming from. You have from. no children, yeah, I think yeah. you have Yeah, and so we just, um, mm. we talk a lot about um, why children behave the way they do. Um, and children are in all, they're in different places in terms of emotional regulation, self-awareness, um, what might work for one child might not be appropriate for another child. So it's a very, it's a very individualized, personalized mm-hmm. response all the way through. Mm-hmm. And then the same with parents. We just try to educate them on what is, um, on what the different possible causes could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then different ways to approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that always comes up is, I'm uh, looking at this book, is children. Um, Big sister, little yeah, sister. Yeah, a lot of times children. Siblings. Experience siblings. Mm-hmm. So older siblings and younger sibling behavior. Um, and then friend behavior. So mm-hmm. kind of four, around four year old, four years, early fives, is when children start to experiment with words. And they'll say some mean things. Well, they heard it somewhere. Or they want to see, they, they've heard it, they want to test it, they don't yeah, know. They don't know, they don't know. Right, or they don't know uh, what we would consider a more diplomatic way of saying, I don't want to play with you. Right, right, right. So instead it's just, I'm not your friend today. Right, they might say something um, hurtful. Yeah, or I, I don't know. like you. And, and, and that's kind of the next stage of, okay, so this is what you said, why? Um, and most of the time it has to do with, well, it's just right now we're playing this and we don't have a role for a fourth person or a fifth person, or they want to do this and I don't want to do that, but I, they don't have the, the words right, right, yet right. to say it. Yeah. Um, and so that's another, another interesting one that takes just a lot of adjustment and support. And mm. I can see we're going to have to talk a lot more. For, I hope this isn't the last time we have a podcast together. I want to do more with you. <laughs> There's a lot more. <laughs> get into more touchy we, we, subjects. We, we, we got to get into real touchy, touchy stuff. Because I just love education. I love, you know, I've taken it on as a lifelong pursuit. I love working with kids because it is empty slate. And we only go up to age 10. And there's a reason for that. Because if, if they haven't been with us in the way that we... And we have them a short time. So we, we really inject what we're trying to do. Yeah. And we're not in a position where we have to, where we have them longer. It's a short, but I mean, and I can make it the way I want to make it because it is so short. Good. It's just one little module what they have. But I really admire what you do at the school, and I'm not just saying that to be saying that. I've said that from the beginning. I really do. And not all the administrators in your position have been good. That's true. But you're one of the best that they've had. They're very fortunate to get you, and I think it's 
partly because there's something you've always wanted to do, you have good parents, and also you've done business before. And having been in business, you have to look at things a little bit differently, but it's in many ways the same thing. Mm. I always say adults are just grown-ups with little kids inside them. Some of them have learned to mature, some of them haven't, but you still, if you get that kid, you've got them. That child's still there. Well, business puts you... It's very clear in business who you're it's serving. It's supposed to be. Yeah, who, yeah. who the customer is. Yeah, right, right, right. Actually, exactly. Right. Say, so another, another, good, <laughs> another good quote from today. Um, one of the little girls asked me, well, who's, who's more important? Who's the most important person at the school? Right. And then she listed off, like, the, you know, the teachers, okay, me, right. Shinobu. Right. Like, right. she was trying to figure out which adult. And I said, actually, you're the most important person there at this go. school. There you go. And she looked at me, she went, what? Huh? I said, well, if you're not having fun, why am I here? You're right, right, right. You right? can't be here. Yeah. We're all here so for your pleasure. So yeah. you're here to have fun and grow. <laughs> she looked at me and she thought about it. She goes, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so she ran off and told the rest of her friends. <laughs> but I think business gives you that um, understanding of, of why, you're, why you're doing what you do yeah. and who you're serving right, and right. so for us we're serving the kids right. and by with the kids the families mm -hmm. and so it's you know how do we make everyone as comfortable and happy and as fulfilled as they can be while they're here mm -hmm. um, yeah that's the business side of it you know what the other side is though it's kind of like why you're doing the podcast yeah. you're always learning that's true right but, but what's what's this all, what's this thing we call life about right you know, and then I'm not one to dream my life away. What I'm trying to do is live my dreams away. Kay. You know, and I think that, I you like know, that. we always have different dreams because in business, you know that once you get there, there's going to look better. <laughs> and once you get here, there's going to look better. That's just the way we are. It's human beings. There's no such thing as you're done until you exhale that last breath. And then we don't know what happens after that. I'm not that curious, but <laughs> not yet anyway. <laughs> but I want to thank you, Christy, for your time. I mean, you give me a lot of time. I'm assuming that this is probably about an hour. Let me say, has wow, it been? Yeah. yeah, it has been. Wow. Wow. Whoa. Oh, and now I'm just getting warmed up. Yeah, you're just getting warmed <laughs> up. You're just getting warmed up. But I want to thank you for your time, Christy, and I will get this to you. No, it's been a pleasure. And you look at it, but I mean, it's been phenomenal. I think people are going to learn a lot from what they've heard. They're going to know about you. But like I said, the next time, we'll, we'll get deeper. We'll get deeper into it. But this was good. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? Or? I, I think this was, this was fun. I yeah. started off not knowing what to expect and being a bit nervous. And, yeah. and it turned out to be pretty nice. Uh, this, is a, this is a fun process. Well, thank you. And what I really like is that you've just gotten started with it. I have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, someone told me to go for it, and I said, why not? Yeah, exactly. Why, why, why not? not, right? Why not? That's why the not? that's and that's where we are with the kids. It's like what's that if you've got the confidence and the idea and the imagination, right? It's like why not? Everything's possible. Fantastic. And that's what I mean, that's what you're doing with this and that's what our kids who made the ice cream machine are doing. Wonderful. Right? Right. So that's okay. life. Good. Oh, thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is the oh, by the way, this is the first one I've done with a mask on. Really? Yeah. Oh, very good. We're modeling yeah. good. That's right. We're just taking nice images. Trying yeah. to keep everything safe. <laughs> Thanks, Lance. Thanks.